deep beneath the human capital of Mainstay. The party is in shambles. Whoever isn't gravely injured is barely standing from the shock that resulted from the explosion of power that erupted from Vamak and the Kraeli Fornorst. Only Rolandir, Cad, and Vamak remain in the middle of the room. Luna lies passed out near the entrance, Brynir by her side, while Val and Mick still cradle the lifeless form of Kelnies. The members of Cad's party are all but gone. Erna lies dead, and Fornorst is naught but floating ash and embers. Lyrian returns, limping himself, carrying the body of Archibald, soaked in blood from a vicious neck wound. Before much else can transpire between the lot of you, the room slowly transforms. Like a wash of paint going over everything, the pillars and walls are restored. Cracked floors mended and polished. The thrones of the dead elven kings split into their base materials and join the rest of this shifting space. The walls expand, the pillars grow, and the encroaching ceiling rises to an unseen height. A skylight shining down upon all of you. The middle of the room expands until the center is like a miniature coliseum, with the party on its lowered center. From the alcoves that round the perimeter, colorful glass mosaics start to make shapes, finally forming into stained glass windows, shining with intense light. The figures in these windows, mere portraits of glass and iron, begin to take on more and more detail until they step out of the windows and into the room, becoming fully formed beings of flesh and blood, though they still retain this strange artistic quality to them. They walk down the few steps to this lowered platform you're all on, ringing you completely. There are 13 of them. Directly in front of you, at the head, is Egg, the father of these ethereal gods. And moving in a clockwise direction, you find Anahan, Maris, Odeker, Oriel, Talatsumori, Lomira, Sindur, Yatanes, Yakuda, Tentever, Delagast, and Sereth, each adorned in symbols and sigils signifying their respective domains. They say nothing. They do nothing. The blood on your hands hasn't even dried, and the ethereals are here for your tribunal. Just really quick, Vamak is still, like, bleeding out from the arm wound on the floor. Is that- Actually, as you look down at your arm, this corrupted, thick blood seeping from it, it seems to not cauterize, but just scab up. Even the flesh of your arm taking on this strange scar-like quality, forming into a strange stump. Out of the whole party, probably only Vamak, Rolandir, and Cad are aware of this development. Rolandir, having just taken his second swipe at Vamak, being only stopped by Luna, and now realizing that Vamak is there, and kind of just catching the glimpse that the blood isn't pouring out as it should be, he takes a moment and looks up, taking in this new surrounding that has suddenly appeared in front of him. And he drops his sword, tosses it over to the side. (sighs) Well, I guess it's time then. And he looks down at Vamok, and knowing his crazed state, 
and also knowing his apparently deceptive ability to hide that and still be crazy. What is, like, Vamok's expression that he's wearing right now as he's just has his arm chopped off, it, it's sewn back up, and he's kind of just lying on the ground? The moments leading up to us being in front of the gods, Vamok was doing that thing where he's, like, trying to scan the room, trying to figure out, you know, take mental inventory of the situation. But, like, as soon as the gods show up, he, like, freezes. His eyes go wide. Even with his blind eyes, he can just feel the presence of these gods. And his eyes are locked dead ahead on Egg. Is he still on the ground? He's sitting up by now. He's not laying down, but he hasn't gotten to his feet. In fact, he even tried to get to his feet, but it feels like he's supporting some sort of massive load that is like keeping him in place. Rolandir seeing him kind of faltering to get up, he's going to move closer and just kind of stand right by the mock, also looking directly at Egg. At the you know sound of your sword clattering along the ground, Luna actually snaps too. Again, her eyelids fluttering open, and then she starts to get woozy and tip as she sits up. Seeing that Luna is kind of getting up, Brynir will assist her in the matter. She'll accept your help, and the two of you then move toward the center of the room. Val, Mick, and the limp form of Kelniace, you have also been sort of just, in the way that this room transformed, have been pushed toward the center with everyone else. I think we should probably let her go. Mick, at this point, has still been holding Kelniace in her arms and will gently look into Kelnace's lifeless eyes one last time and will lay her on the ground. And she'll stare at her for a second and then get up and put her arm on Val's back. Val will reciprocate that and they can walk together to the center. So now everyone has gathered in the middle. The gods seem to share a look and then Anahan, from of all of them, the goddess of justice and order, raises her palm saying, This long-awaited tribunal has commenced. Let this farce of an issue be put to rest swiftly and decisively so that justice may be meted out to these interlopers. And then it's Delagast, actually, god of virtue and mercy, that speaks next. No, not without sufficient examination of the cases for and against this group. I will not see blind judgment befall this cohort to satisfy the whims of one of us. And you can almost see Anahan bite her lip, but she doesn't say anything more. And then Egg, of all of them, this shrouded figure. You cannot clearly see his face. His form is pinpricked with points of glowing, shifting blue light. And he holds in his hand something between the mix of a cudgel and a staff and a quite gruesome-looking mace just resting on the ground. He holds up his palm and says, The matter is as follows. Each one of these mortals have been accused of insurrection against the ethereal body assembled here. Their alleged actions against this body have resulted in the destruction of lesser demigods, the aspects of the Valors. This, in turn, weakened the power of the Valors, each of whom served an integral purpose in upholding the lattice of pure essence that keeps Egadon and its sister realms from falling victim 
to the chaos of the void. It is then proposed that each member and member adjacent of this cohort shall be returned to their base elements, their memories cast into the void, and their souls eradicated. Each here on this tribunal will indicate a preliminary stance. All in favor of this judgment? Egg's hand, you see, remains raised. And joining him are Anahan, Meris, Odeker, Talatsumori, Yatanis, and Sindur. <laughs> Screw him. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Egg nods, and they lower their hands. All opposed to this judgment... And you see Delagast, Sereth, Tentifer, and Yakuda raise their hands. Egg nods again, and they lower them. And then finally Egg speaks, Seven in favor of this judgment. Four against. Two abstain from indicating a stance. And he gives a sideways glance to Lomira and Oriel. We will proceed then with this tribunal, at the conclusion of which a mandatory vote will be held to decide the fate of these, he indicates the party. First, will any ethereal speak in favor of the proposed judgment? And you immediately see the hands of Odeker, Yatanis, and Anarhan like, shoot up eagerly to rail against you. And, and in fact, it is... Yatanis, a god who you have not interacted with yet. The ethereal of love and harmony, who Egg cedes the floor to. Yatanis, this rippling form of a man, speaks, stepping forward slightly. This party, these interlopers, some from our world, some from another, have done irreparable harm to the fabric of Egadon, As you said, Father, that which keeps it in place, that which keeps us, our siblings, our children, our creations safe from the very chaos that would seek to destroy each and every one of us. They have disrupted harmony. They have stolen time. And they have robbed ethereal power from some of you even. He looks especially to those who have ordained a few of you as their godborn. Do you all not see their deception? They come from near and afar to bring about the ruin of this realm at the behest, of course, of the betrayer god and his lackeys, no doubt. This group has proven time and time again that they are unworthy of our trust, unworthy of the gifts of essence, unworthy of the gifts of life, for they have acted with reckless abandon and have never once gone against this insidious nature that plagues them. And it's actually this point that Delagast interrupts. And he says, Stop it. Brother, I have shown, while they were interred in the Twilight Eternal, that they acted in ways that would benefit Egadon. I gave them trials. I gave them challenges to prove themselves as better beings than what came before. Some of them failed, yes, but some of them have passed. Some of them have shown that they, perhaps, perhaps they haven't changed, but that they are capable of it and stymieing that, robbing them of that opportunity. And it's at this point, actually, that Egg will shut him down, raising his hand and saying, Delagast, 
That is enough. Yatanis, continue. All others, hold your tongues till these proceedings are finished, please. Yatanis kind of glares at Delagast across the way and then nods to his father. Thank you, though in truth I was quite nearly done. Still, what else more is there to say? Even if they have shown that they could change their nature, their nature has caused harm. Harm that will take untold years to repair. The workings of the world have gone awry. We've lost all sense of order and harmony. Life itself is in danger, as these (laughs) heroes they call themselves, perhaps, put at risk everything, everything we and this ethereal body have put into place. And then he takes a step back and rejoins the circle proper. Egg looking down at the party. Do the accused have any answer you wish to speak to these allegations? You have a moment to defend yourselves, if you wish it. Rolander will take a quick look around at all the people gathered around him, and he will, in turn, raise his one hand that he still has and step forward slightly. It is clear that many of you who have already chosen sides are quite staunchly fixed. But I would say this. Although we have done, as you said, damage to the fabric of intent that you have weaved and created here, you have also placed in us a great power and capacity for using this intent. And in our travels, in the things that we've seen and the things that we've done, to me at least, it has become clear that the calling of Godborn is an ill-fated one. The guidance and support, the, the direction that you yourselves seek for the world is all but unknown to us. True, we have acted at times upon our own vices and sought things selfishly, but is it not the responsibility of deity, of gods, of ethereals, of these things that you hold so sacred and dear, your creations, your world, to do everything you can to protect and to mold it. I do not offer this as a justification for our actions, but rather perhaps something to ponder for future courses of action. That when giving this power to perhaps offer a more present guidance, teaching, observance to what those who wield it do with it, we can do it justly. And with that, Rolandir just steps back. Egg almost cocks his head. You purport then that your failings are indeed the product of ethereal negligence and not your own. I purport more could have been done on our part to do actions that would have benefited Egadon, had guidance from being such as yourselves, the ones who called us, proffered more assistance, more guidance. You truly could have done more in service of Egadon. Of that we agree. Do any more of you have a voice? Val will raise his hand. Speak, Elvaret. Before he does, he will move closer to Luna and interlace their fingers together. She squeezes your hand. He is clutching the Heart of the Void in the other hand. So he has Luna in one, Heart of the Void in the other. May I ask a question? I cannot guarantee an answer. You are here to make a statement against the claim. What is it that you are afraid of? This is not a relevant question. 
It is relevant to the motivations of our actions. Are you saying then that your actions are solely motivated by external factors? You are not a being of your own will? No, but you do not understand my motivations any more than I understand yours. A bold assumption, mortal. <laughs> Val gives him a look that's just kind of like, yeah, and it's true. <laughs> <laughs> and if you could see Egg's face, he'd give you a look where he's like, yeah, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> the things that we have done have been to our understanding and our belief in service of Egedon. Perhaps not the Egedon that you uphold, but one that we wish to create. Is that all? Frankly, sir, I don't know that there is anything I could say to convince you. I don't think you want to hear our suggestions or what we have to say, because it will not align with what you desire, I don't believe. I would like to reach a compromise. I would like to reach some sort of equitable agreement between all of us. But I don't know that that is a conversation that you are willing to have. Do you speak with the locust that ravage your crops? Do you compromise with them? Perhaps not, but the locust is as much a part of this world as any other thing. Very well. Very well. <laughs> Enough, then, from this lot. Will any ethereal speak against the proposed judgment? Sereth will actually take a small step forward. If I may, this one, pointing to Val, brings up an interesting point. Perhaps I could elucidate further. Elaborate, if I may, on some of my own musings... I've been watching the activities of this group since they began to make a name for themselves upon Egadon. Even before my daughter joined their ranks, we had our eyes upon them. Why is that? <laughs> Your chance, is it, that out of every one of these rift wardens that traveled to Egadon, only those who found themselves mixed up in this party's cause are worthy of our scrutiny? The harm brought upon Egadon and its bindings by the continued effort of the Rift Wardens, in my opinion, poses a much greater threat to the safety of Egadon than one group of wayward individuals. Individuals who have acted out of fear, out of ignorance, and out of self-preservation. When you poke a scared quill bear with a stick, do you expect it not to swipe at you? Anarhan takes a step forward now. Your analogy only proves the point that they are inherently dangerous, cut even from the same cloth as those who purposely erode our work. If they are allowed... I have not finished, sister. Seraph interjects. <laughs> you may speak your piece once I've concluded. Both will look to Egg, who begrudgingly nods in Seraph's direction, and Anarhan takes a small step back. Sereth clears his throat and continues, Fear, anger, ignorance, these have all fueled their quest against us, and while we persecute these, he indicates you, we ignore those who, as my sister so well stated, purposely erode our work. This group has been misled, lied to, and manipulated to serve a purpose and none of you. He turns on those who 
indicated the vote against you all. None of you have asked why. A word from the accused? Egg doesn't nod, but he also doesn't deny Sarath's request. And Sarath takes another step down, closer to your group. As this ethereal being steps closer to you, you start to feel this strange aura, this weight upon you all. Just this radiance in the back of your mind. And he says, looking between the lot of you, You have done much. Fought, bled, and died for a cause that I know you believe in. But I fear you do not understand. Every flashpoint in your lives have led to this tribunal. Every decision to spare, to kill, to flee, to fight, I ask you simply, to what end? And ask yourselves who benefits from this end, please. And he holds out a hand, just indicating any one of you to answer his question. Brynjör will raise a hand. I will say, in the beginning, a lot of what I did was because of what I was told from a young age to protect the Godborn. And so I trained, I did things, and then I finally met one. And I journeyed with him and made other Godborn friends along the way. But on our travels, I came to think for myself and what I would like for the world. The world was crumbling apart, the kin and man fighting against one another. With or without us, things would have descended into chaos. So I've tried to take steps to make Igdon a better place for me and for others. Because I love this world and I want it to be safe. Sarath looks to any others who wish to offer their answers. If I may speak, likewise to what my companion said, I must admit that sometime during our journey, we did mean you harm. However, our intentions have changed. Understand that our end goal has changed as well. We wish for peace in this world, and we believe that we have the tools now to do that and to grant this world that purpose. If I've learned anything in the short amount of time that I've been in service of your dear brother here, Delegast, it is this. There are people who may not deserve mercy, but should be granted it for a higher purpose. And likewise, that same logic should be applied here to this group. Yes, some of you believe, and maybe that's true, that we do not deserve mercy. However, our intentions are to help this world to heal this world and for that reason we ask of you to pardon us for the betterment of Agadon. Seraph steps back uh, unclear whether or not he's satisfied with your answers he and Egg share a nod and then Egg goes to raise his palm again however a small voice speaks up as Lomira her features barely visible under a heavy hood steps forward none know the workings and weavings of fate more intimately than I. None are so near to the well of the void save the betrayer god himself. Brothers, sisters, father, I ask to pursue a line of questioning. Again, Egg won't indicate yes, but 
and he doesn't stop her. So she steps forward, closer even than Sarath, and again you feel this just power emanating from her. A thought for each of you. You need not consider it aloud. The strings of fate have been inextricably linked, tied to each of you long before they began to be interwined. Even those of you who migrated one world to another, this fate has followed you. You did not come here for noble purposes. I do not believe it would be in your favor to purport noble purposes now. You seek our destruction, the undoing of the ethereals. You approach a delicate system, a game of intricate balances where one misstep could put in jeopardy every other carefully constructed piece. It is not a fragile system, merely a delicate one. Cracks and breaks happen and can be repaired. Perhaps, though, it has run its course, this way of things. And the beings of the world are ready to evolve beyond what reality has been established for them. However, instead of taking apart the system, this reality, piece by piece, understanding it, deconstructing it, and replacing it with something equally, if not more deliberate, your actions would see it reduced to cinders, ashes, and the vain hope that something better will grow of its own volition or of yours. Time and time again, you have been challenged, and time and time again, your course has been set deeper and more permanently into the foundations of the world. <laughs> My brother pleads your ignorance, but do not believe that is the case. You know well enough what you seek and what will result. However, here is where I believe I make my position known. And she turns to Egg. Spare this party, the proposed judgment, for there are greater hands at work. She starts to pace the interior of the circle, looking at her brothers and sisters. You have all seen the threads yourselves. Every step of theirs, she continually gestures to you lot in the center, has been manufactured every step. If it is not the Valors that guide them, then it is their lord. And if not him, then it was us, the Ethereals, that lead them along. Every choice they have made has been made at the behest of a power unknown to them. They move against Egadon, true, its foundation, its being, us. But perhaps we ourselves have been deceived. It's Yakuda, actually, that speaks up, almost snorting as she says, <laughs> Preposterous! I would not gamble with the life of my own godborn, nor would I employ such cowardly tactics to bring about my purposes. Are you saying that I've been leading them to this end, sister? Or, or that Sindor, or Tentiver, or Delagast? That we seek to, what, supplant ourselves? That we seek the downfall of our siblings? You see Lomira simply raise her hand, giving a subtle, slight shake of her head. Of course not. Their favor, as shown by some of you, if anything, is an indictment against the power that truly moves them. They are favored of the Ethereals. Why would we be inclined to place our goodwill, our favor, in those that would ultimately see us ruined? And now, Oriel, who 
Again, a god you've never interacted with before. The god of chance and luck. One that Ifran worshipped oh so long ago. Cocks his head and speaks up. Are you saying, sister, that those who bestowed upon them the godborn's favor did so erroneously? Not exactly, dear brother. Only that they acted with the same ignorance as these mortals acted since they set out together. Sindor, who's been silent up to this point, the god of body and blood, Rolandir's patron, stands with crossed arms and just scoffs from the side. That, that is absurd. Mm, perhaps not. We are not omnipotent. And on that note, she kind of makes eyes with Val and then starts pacing again. But we know these mortals. We know this world and we know them well, so well that omnipotence may be gleaned from our actions. We know exactly what to place in their way to have them react accordingly. Honorhan, seeming to become a little impatient, do you have a point, sister? Lomira raises a palm to placate her. If that is true of our chosen, our progeny, then it is true for us. And who knows us? the very gods of Egadon, so well that any action or attitude may be predicted and brought to fruition. Oriel nods over and over, speaking up. The chances of each one of these individuals coming together, winning favor and carrying on as they do is... It is beyond chance. It, It is design. And he suddenly seems to grow very, very irate but says no more. A a general wave of uneasiness spreads around the room, and you can feel it in almost these waves as the ethereals exchange glances and whispers. And then Egg holds up his hand once more. Enough of this charade. A concluding vote will now be cast. Immediately after Egg calls for a vote, the mock's eyes flit back and forth as he's working things out in his head. And with a bit of effort, he gets up off the floor and he says, I have something to say. Then turning to the group, he continues, I am aware that I have not been trustworthy, but I believe that everyone here will be interested in what I have to say. I have not been myself for some time now. I assumed that it was my own lust for power that had gotten the better of me, that it was consuming me bit by bit. But the events of today and what has been said here lead me to believe that my actions have stemmed from the will of something or someone other than myself. Since escaping the Twilight Eternal into that alternate world of Luna's creation, something has been off. It's as if something was planted inside of me there and has been taking root ever since. Upon entering that world, something began to worm its way into my mind. Something was stoking the flames of my ego, while any sense of reason began to slip away. And when we confronted the godly versions of Brynir and Rolandir, I could not contain myself. The lust for blood that I felt was insatiable. It was consuming. It was intoxicating. 
more than anything that I had felt before, even when I took on the aspect of the Carta myself. I assumed it was my own lust for power. But those of you who are Godborn know that the gifts of the gods are not given freely. Tentever agreed with me that in exchange for his gift of power, my will would be supplanted by his, until eventually only his remained and I would truly become his agent. I felt Tentever's will oppress upon me, slowly changing my actions to align with his desires. At least, I did, until we entered Luna's fictitious mirror world. Something happened there. Tentever's will waned inside of me until it finally fell silent, smothered under the weight of an even greater will. It was subtle at first, but the weight grew heavier and heavier, crushing mine and Tentever's will alike. And when Valmas enfeebled my mind, there was nothing to support the weight of this greater will, and I was consumed by it. Even without a semblance of intelligence, the weight of that will drove me to obtain the heart of the void. But when foreigners touched my mind and removed Val's spell, Memories came flooding back. Memories of the time that we spent upon the Crayley Isles. It was there, upon one of those islands, outside of the influence of the Arterials, that I felt the weight lifted from me. And while free of this burden, I determined for myself that my path-seeking power had led me to nothing but suffering and misery. During my time there, I knew that although I am unworthy of finding peace in this life, I could use my power to ensure that others did not suffer as I have in my foolish pursuits. I made my choice. But when we left the island, that choice was taken from me as I was shackled by the weight of this stranger's will once more. But now, here we are, with the heart of the void in our possession, and I am miraculously healed by some unknown power. And with the arrival of the gods, it all becomes clear. It is ironic, is it not, that a blind man amongst our group would be the one to see the truth for what it is? I have been nothing more than a pawn, controlled by some unknown being, and it must be a powerful being if it is to overrule Tentever so easily. In my estimation, each of the ethereals are equally matched, so it is not likely to be one of them pulling the strings. That leaves only two who could pull off such a feat so easily. Egg, the father of these ethereals, or his brother Air. And I can tell you from my own dealings with Air that this meddling does not bear his stench. Therefore, there is only one explanation. Ever since leaving the Twilight Eternal, I have been under Egg's influence, unwittingly acting on his behalf. It makes sense when you think about it. The mere existence of the Crayley Island, the heart of the Void, and those of us from another world, proves that there are things which exist outside the purview of these gods. There are places where even their domain does not reach. 
And the reason that our group has not been wiped off the very face of Egodon yet is so that we could obtain the heart of the void. It is reasonable to think that anyone who would create an artifact so powerful as to destroy the very gods themselves would be careful enough to make it inaccessible to those same gods. Hence, eggs need to influence mortals, to influence me to obtain the heart and use it in accordance with his will. But now that the heart of the void is within our possession, if Egg is to gain control of it, we will have outlived our usefulness and shall cease to be, regardless of the vote that is cast in this so-called tribunal. I doubt that anyone, including the Ethereals, know exactly what Egg's intended use of the heart is. But it is clear to me from his meddling that he does not trust the Ethereals, not even enough to let them have free reign over their own godborn. It is obvious that he does not respect their titles or their agency any more than he respects ours. And perhaps this is because there is not a pantheon of gods that rule over Egodon, but one god and his ignorant lackeys. The whole time while Vamok was speaking, as soon as he mentioned like the whole egg thing, Rolandir started moving, kind of inching his way closer to Val, who has the Heart of the Void. So he's just kind of going to position himself over there. You may do so. Uh, as the room following this is silent. And finally, Sindor speaks up, looking toward Egg. Father, if that is true, <laughs> if you have manipulated the actions of this godborn... My godborn! You hear Tentever yell from across the room. My charge! Overstepping sacred bonds, boundaries, put in place to preserve that which they themselves are accused of dismantling. If this is true, Egg holding up both of his hands now, these, these are baseless accusations from a desperate party on the precipice of annihilation. And if nothing else, only a further show that they are tethered to the betrayer. No more arguments will be heard. A concluding vote will be cast now. Those in favor of the proposed judgment. And he, Honorhan, Maris, Odeker, Talatsumori, and Yatanis raise their hands. All opposed... And you see Delagast, Lomira, Oriel, Sereth, Tentever, and Yakuda vote in the negative. Someone's missing. Sereth's eyes fall on Sindor. You must vote, brother. But Sindor hasn't stopped staring at Egg. You allowed us, these souls to be made godborn, mine even when they were still within your brother's snares, uh, to free them from those bonds. Anarhan now takes a step forward, toward him, toward Sindor, leaving the circle. You must vote, brother. And now Sindor takes another step to the center, also leaving the circle, this power making your legs weak as he moves closer to you all. While Maris, on the other side, steps out too, standing beside Anarhan, between Egg and Sindor. 
but Sindor doesn't stop, sparing a glance at Relandir. I have seen hate. Bargaining. Bloodshed in my name and yours. He looks to Egg. But to what end? To what end is this trial being held? Cast them into the void, if you will. But what purpose does that serve but to empower the betrayer? Say I convict, father. What truly happens to them? If you do not indicate your position, my son, I will be forced to break the tie that I see fit. And then Sindor in an outburst, what truly happens to them? And by now, Sindor is face to face with Anahan and Meris, Egg just behind them. The lot of you nearly lost within this circle of immortal beings. And Egg raises his palm. Daughters, move aside. And Anahan and Meris settle back into the circle. <sighs> the last thing I would seek, my son, is to empower my brother from whom I wrestled control of this grand design. Your sister spoke true of fate, of this delicate loom that holds the world together. Some cords fray, some come undone. They must all be replaced, remade, rewoven into bonds more sure than ever before. Your godborn will help bring that purpose to fruition. All of them will. The weak ties will be burned away, and strong cords bound in their stead. And Oriel crosses the floor, and moving so close to you all, some of you almost collapse. Luna definitely does, and is saved by Val and Brynir, as she shakily gets back to standing. Oriel then stops, standing between Egg and Sindor, his arms outstretched between his father and his brother. He looks to Sindor, then to Egg. Regardless, what has been said is true or not, it seems, in your words here, you have overstepped, father. With these mortals, with us, the fates are disturbed. The chance of the winding road shattered weak ties you speak of, but it seems your own meddling has made them fray. Bonds, ties, these things come and go. It is chance, it is luck upon all that we do that we resist the void. But you have made some things definite. You have taken away the will of some mortals, and if these accusations are true, then the will of some gods. We have preserved this way of things for so long because you desired it, because you and we believed it was right. But what if, perchance, it is no longer? Egg's eyes flit from Oriel to all of his children, eventually landing on you, the party, and in turn, greeting each one of you with such wrathful indignation you almost start to sweat and then he turns to Oriel and places a hand on his son's shoulder weak ties weak bonds weak bodies weak minds whose fetters of purpose have waned thin and his eyes glance over Oriel's shoulder at the party 
too thin. And then Auriel disintegrates. The ethereal god of chance and luck ceases to exist before your very eyes, his form evaporating into a weave of spirit and a thousand embers. This spirit seems to be crushed within the hand of Egg as it spreads up his arm from there while the embers and blackened flakes of skin and cloth float out into the room. And then there is instant pandemonium. As soon as that happens... Melander rips Val's arm and just kind of whispers to him, if we're going to do something, now's our chance. And that's all he says. <laughs> ah, don't put this on me. <laughs> Cad will actually spread his arms out as he turns toward the group, kind of trying to encompass you all. We need to leave. But before anyone can move to bring Cad's suggestion to fruition, it's actually Sereth that takes a step toward you all, and another step, and another, and the closer and closer he gets, the more this miasmic wave washes over you, and your minds and bodies numb, and your eyes blink out, and the world fades to black as you start to hear yells, and shouts, and thundering, and then you blink away. You are far, far removed, hopefully. You don't quite know, though. From where you were before. You seem to be, all of you, on the floor of some ruined library. Ransacked bookshelves line the walls. Huge windows on the terminal end are shattered. And standing before you in forms uncannily like yours, no longer pinpricked with this stained glass light or this ethereal weight, it would seem, are Sareth. Tentiver, Yakuda, Sindor, Delagast, and Lomira. And simply to who is ever closest, I'll say it's Rolander. Sareth steps forward and kneels down and extends his hand and says, Rise. There is yet much to do. 